Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, that as rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Bet you were home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is it my advice to you? I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All righty, go bros. Welcome to the Go A Barrow A Room. I got my buddy Miguel on the line. We got back from Cuba. Him and his beautiful wife Carla uh, got to know my wife Kim and I uh, on a much deeper level. And uh, my my wife Kim loves you guys. Uh, she felt really connected to you guys. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we got to do that. And actually, I'm glad that we got to do that. You know, got it over with, right? Uh, before this uh, Corona bullshit, you know, happened. I mean, it's uh, it's out of the way. Our bucket list is checked, and it was a, it was an amazing, amazing vacation. What do you think of uh, Cuba? Cuba, baby. Just let me say, Pat, that the feeling is mutual. Carla wasn't too convinced about uh, my my GoPro involvement, and once we got back from Cuba, she's like, I, I see why you do it. She goes, these people are awesome. They're genuine. They're authentic. So first and foremost, let me just say thank you to that. And not just, obviously, not just Kim, but all the other wives that were on the, on the trip there. Um, you know, Tracy, Tina, Carmen, and Tanya. And, and Lindsay. And Lindsay. I don't want to leave them good out. Job. So, yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. I don't know if I'd pass that test that fast. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Good uh, job. So they, they were all awesome. And so I really appreciate that part of it. Uh, Cuba, man. Cuba was... Cuba was you know, it wasn't necessarily on my bucket list because I didn't ever think I could go to Cuba. And when you guys said, hey, let's go to Cuba, I'm like, I don't know how they can do it, but I'm signing. I, I know if anybody can do it, these guys can. Uh, we went to Cuba and, you know, our, our guide, Roly, from the beginning, when he first got on the bus, he just said, hey, guys, you know, this is a different country. Leave your expectations at home. And the moment I did that, the moment I was able to say, all right, cool, like all my expectations, any expectation that I have of what a vacation is like, what I think Cuba is going to be like, what I think the Cuban people are like. Uh, I just left that behind. And so for me, it was a really eye-opening experience. Food took forever to get, but, you know, we were on vacation, so I just let it be. But the people were amazing. The food was amazing. Just the history. I mean, just getting to know what the history was was amazing. I think that was a, 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 a big part of it. And then on, on that second layer, you know, all the GoPros, 
who have thought about going on a couple's trip or are afraid to go because they might uncover something in their marriage that, you know, that they're afraid to talk about, man, that's, this is the place to do it with. This is the people to do it with um, because you just in such a comfortable, relaxed atmosphere that you can really have some of these eye opening conversations. And I feel like Carla and I really had a lot of those conversations and I had a lot of breakthroughs, especially working on things that we've been working on for, you know, two, two years now, two, three years now, and to be able to say, ah, oh, I get it. You know, we took that, what was it called? Enneagram test? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And personality so after, test. That personality test. And really after we took that test, I was able to say, oh, I understand why she does this. Or she was able to say, I understand why he does this. And so once you understand how your partner thinks or why they think a certain way, I feel that you can approach it from a different angle and not be so combative and really kind of, do things that are going to further the relationship, further your personal friendship with your wife, and then further your family. Um, and so I think that, you know, yes, Cuba was amazing, but that was really my takeaway from it. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into your one sheet, Miguel. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. So let's talk about, uh, first of all, why don't you give everybody like a four minute story on Miguel? Like, the day you were born until today, uh, let's get to know you. Hey, Pat. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with you real quick. So I've listened to these podcasts and everybody else gets five minutes, bro. All right. I'll give, I'll give you five and a half. I'll give you six. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So yeah, I was, I was uh, you know, I was, I was born to, to you know, immigrant, immigrant parents uh, in Southern California. Uh, my parents split when I was really young. I was probably around three or four when they split. Um, and when they split, I went and lived. My brother and I, my younger brother and I, who at the time was like around one, went to go live with our grandparents in Mexico, in Sonora, Mexico, Mexico, um, which is about six hours south of the Nogales border, uh, Arizona. And so I lived there for about four years, four or five years. I did uh, kindergarten, first grade, and a part of second grade uh, in Mexico. Then once my kind of dad, my dad ended up going to Alley Trade Tech, became a plumber. Um, and once he kind of had himself established at the time, he kind of essentially sent for us. And so I came first to the United States. Well, my brother still stayed back because at the time, my brother was still, you know, I was eight. My brother was still five, still kind of young. My dad had to work. We didn't, you know, he wasn't remarried or anything. So I pretty much stayed home by myself. Uh, I would get up in the morning, go to school. You know, I remember not knowing a lick of English at the school that I, I went to. But then slowly I, I kind of acclimated and my brother came soon thereafter. Fast forward about 15, 16 years, my high school year. I don't graduate from high school. My dad says to me, hey kid, time for you to go to college or move out. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go to college. I was gonna be a plumber just like you. He's like, no, you're not. Huh. He makes me go to college. I went to local community college after working for a year with my dad. You know, after that year of working with my dad, I was just like, okay, I'm, I get it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to college. I go to college, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And along the, along the way of trying to figure out what I want to do, I get involved in local campus politics and I fall in love with politics. I got into a few kind of, uh, uh, you know, got elected student body, uh, Senate and all that stuff. And I, I made a, a few big moves during that time. At the time, the president of the board of trustees saw me kind of working the political system on campus. 
And he pulls me aside one day and he says, Miguel, he goes, I like the way you operate. He goes, I've, I've been doing this for 10 years. And when people try to get something done, they usually are screaming and yelling. He goes, but you figured out the system. You figured out where the power is held and you figured out how to leverage it. He goes, you would be a good political science major. You'd be good in, in, policy, in, in, in politics. And so I was like, what's that? And he explained it to me and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, so I was like, you mean I can make a career out of this? He goes, yes. I was like, awesome. So then he had me get a few students together, like three or four students. And we went on a, like, we went to go visit some different campuses. And so we visit Berkeley, Sacramento State, and UC Davis. And I fell in love with Sacramento State's campus. And I was like, that's where I want to go. And he was a Sacramento State alum. And he said, hey, Miguel, as soon as you get to Sacramento, give me a call. I got, a, I got an internship for you. And so I was like, all right, cool. I got to Sacramento. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to take the internship. Uh, it's just my dad wasn't willing or able or whatever to help me financially. So I had to work. So I ended up working, worked for Wells Fargo for about, you know, my entire time that I was at Sac- Sacramento. I then ended up moving back down to LA. When I moved back down to Los Angeles, I went back to work for Sacramento, I mean, to, uh, for, for Wells Fargo. So moved back down to LA, continue working for Wells Fargo. I worked there for about four or five years. Wasn't getting anywhere. They weren't helping me. So I decided to go back to school, got my second degree in English literature, went to law school. And then after my first year of law school is when it, my, my career kind of, my political career kind of took off. So after my first year of law school, I opened up the newspaper and I saw that my local elected official had gotten elected to a higher office, to Congress. And so she vacated her city council seat. Once she vacated her city council seat, there was 15 people who were going to run to fill that seat. I then decided to help one of those candidates. I called all of them. One of them calls me back, and I, that's how I ended up getting into politics. I worked in politics. So, I, man, so, so you quit law school? I quit law school because my goal was always to work in politics. I quit law school, worked on campaigns full-time for about four years. In, in the duration of that four years, um, I had gotten many, uh, elected, many people elected to office, and it got to the point where one of the individuals who got elected to the California State Assembly asked me to become her chief of staff. So at that point, I became her chief of staff. I split time between LA and Sacramento. I was working anywhere up to 70, 80, 90 hours a week, depending on what the, what the situation called. But unfortunately, Pat, during that time, I neglected my first marriage. I neglected my family. Um, I was out all the time. If a client called me or if a donor called me or if a constituent who was a, you know, a VIP constituent called me, I was taking care of all those issues and ultimately ended in the divorce. So I got divorced. I, you know, it was bad. And then I, I you know, a lot of things transpired during that time. I was drinking too much. It took a little bit of time, but I, I decided I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. And then I met my, my now wife, Carla, who lives in Vegas. And I lived in Sacramento. And we made a decision that I would leave Sacramento and I would come to, to Las Vegas. It just made the most, most sense. And so the career that I worked so hard to achieve, I ended up leaving it behind because, you know, I wanted to be with my wife. And now, you know, fast forward a year or two, I found Bigger Pockets. I learned about real estate investing. I, through Bigger Pockets, I found GoBundance. And through GoBundance, I got to meet some amazing people such as yourself. And now here I am on your podcast. 
That's awesome, dude. I love it, man. Well, there's a lot of life stories in there, and uh, sounds like you're, you're, the cool part is you're conscious of, of you know, you're a conscious dude. You know what I mean? Like you're you're so aware of of where you failed on certain things, and and what how you know. I always like to say the the universe is a fascinating thing, and and one thing leads to another in this life, and uh, you know it's clear like with your life, like one thing leads to another, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. led to that, that led to that, that led to that, all, all, you know, all good in, 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 in hindsight. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, so let's talk about it. So now you're working on your horizontal income. Uh, tell uh, what's your what I know you're in in the beginning stages. What's your what's your horizontal income now? Okay, so well, I'm going to give you numbers. I'm going to give you household income, right? Because if we're talking about horizontal income, just on the properties, um, we have we have three properties that we own. Like you know, we're currently closing on uh, office building, which is taking forever. We're going to close on our second, we're going to close on our second multi-family, multifamily, yeah. multifamily. And the first one is in the process of being refinanced. So if I just give you the, those numbers, yeah, really just, talk, just talk about that to talk about like, I know, I know when we were in Cuba, you were saying you, you bought this and then you bought something else down the street. And, and yeah. you know, tell, tell me about the numbers you're expecting on that and the numbers you're getting on the first one. And, and yeah, for sure. So the, the first property, when I purchased that thing, it was making about $30,000 a year. It's up to about 60 now. So I pretty much, I, I doubled it in about 12, 14 months. And that's that, a net number, Miguel? That is- $5,000 a month net or is that gross or what? $5,000 a month after all expenses are paid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah. 60 grand a year. Boom. Six, Mailbox well, money. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to refinance it. So that's going to go away. Right. I mean, so I bought it for a right. mill. I bought it for a mill and it's going to be refinanced at 1.5. So I'm going to cash out, you know, whatever my down payment plus another $300,000. Or not. I mean, you were talking earlier about, hmm, yeah. you know, should we hold back? That would be one way to hold back is just not refinance at this juncture and just be like, I got 60 grand a year. You know, that's fucking nothing to scoff at, right? And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I know, but then you wouldn't have anything to do. I'm, I, I deal with the same problem. Yeah, I mean, what, what, happens with money, what happens when you have money in your pocket, Pat? I know. It's impossible. It's such an addiction, man. It's such an addiction. All right, so what, what okay, what, and then what about the next one? Uh, so the next one is, it's a 28-unit complex down the street from the one that I currently have. It is currently making, after expenses, on, num on paper, it'll probably be around the same, about 30000 This one has a little bit more one bedroom, one bath, so the rents aren't as high. And so it'll be about the same, but I feel that once I, once I get it, I'm going to pump up the rents because I know exactly what the rents should go for. Um, and so I should be able to get 60000 a year on this one after my first turn, right? After all my, I got about seven or eight folks who are on month-to-month -month leases and then 20 other people are on like year leases. Some of them are coming up soon. And so after my first turn, I should be able to make 60K on, on that. 
All right, cool. All right, well, let's uh, let's shift gears here. Let's uh, let's talk about your life happiness index. What number are you? I'm a six point four one. Six point four one. Okay, so so what's bring? You know, the average person that comes on the show here of the GoBundance podcast, average member, I found is about seven point three ish. So you're you're they're lying. They're lying. You're, Pat. They're lying. you're a little you're a little below. Why why would you say that is, Miguel? Uh, first of all, I'm telling the truth about how happy I am about my dance and my music. Like, ah, ha, ha, you know what? I, and I, you know, here's a funny thing. You know, I we actually had a debate. I, I, I don't know. It was in one trip. I was like, I told um, Mike and Tim, I was like, dude, we need to take that shit off of there. You know, um, some people just don't dance and and uh, do music, and it's bringing down their scores. And uh, we got into a spirited debate. Let's just say about it, and I lost. So, but anyways, what uh, other than dancing music? What yeah, what what else is bringing it? There's definitely two things that are bringing me down. Yeah. And during Cube, I think I had a little breakthrough on this. It's my relationship with my brother and my relationship with my, with my dad. You know, it's not the relationship that I wish I had, but it's the best relationship that I can have. So, mm, this, is, so this is the real deal shit, right? This is the stuff that, you know, I appreciate you sharing, number one. And number two, that was really, really probably bringing it down overall so tell me if you don't mind talking about this a little bit because i'm hoping the other go bros might be able to learn from this i know i've got a sister that hadn't talked to me in three years it was a one-way falling out in my mind right like she she stopped talking to me i didn't stop talking to her so so tell us about this yeah so what i'm gonna i'm gonna start with what i've realized and then i can kind of get into what the issue is yeah what, what I've realized is that my brother is who he is and my dad is who he is. And so whenever mm. I have a conversation or a discussion or whatever, I'm expecting them to be who I want them to be. Um, mm. And so I can't, I can't do that. Right? I got to let them be who they are, accept them for who they are, and just love them for who they are. I may not visit them as often. I may not stay as long but I'll still be able to have a relationship with them, which is better than the one I have now, which is nothing, right? And so that's really kind of where it's at. You know, I think- Is it, is it you don't have things in common, you know, or is, it, or is it, are you mad at each other? You know, here's the problem. And, and a lot of it stems from drinking. And so I've, I've been sober now three years. And so I don't, I feel like I can, I can, deal with it you know you're clear you 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 get it you see the other side exactly and so i don't drink anymore and so we we don't we won't have these heated freaking drunk discussions right or arguments or whatever and so i can i can now see let's say for example i'll go to my dad's house and and he's you know my dad and my brother still drink and it'll start conversation will start getting off the rails whereas before i would stay there and freaking dig in like a bulldog because i've been drinking too now I'm just like, all right, guys, you guys have a good, good night. I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. You know so the mean? connection I, is gone because you removed the – because, uh, you know, it's interesting. So, right, so, so they're using alcohol as a lubricant for connection. Probably. Yeah, it's – I mean – So you just bail, and, and rightfully so, because you don't want to be, you know, you know, that's how you stay sober is you, you know, you, you roll out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's a very interesting point you, you're making. Right? That's, maybe that's, that's, that's interesting, yeah. Maybe that's what was holding us together, right? Maybe that was the one thing we had in common. But, you know, it just, you know, and it, and it stems from, you know, Pat, it stems from, you know, my brother and I grew up with a single dad, and my dad was 
very, very tough on us. I look back at it now and I'm like, I'm, I'm thankful that he was tough on us because we have, we're doing very well. I have a younger brother and a sister that my dad's raising with my stepmom and they will, I don't think that they have the, the life experience and the drive to do what we're doing because I feel like they're being, it's not in my bed, I don't care, right? But they're being coddled and they're being brought up very, I mean, they went to, not to, you know, smack people who go to private school, but they don't, they don't have any wants. They don't have any needs. They don't have any drive because everything's really given to them. And so we, my brother and I kind of grew up a little bit different than they did. And there's no animosity in terms of that. It's just that we had to grow up a little harder than most people. And so. Yeah, but that's not their fault though. No, no, it's not their fault. But but what I'm trying to say is that as a result of us growing up harder, we're harder around when when my dad and dad are together. We're harder with each other. Well, if you don't mind me asking, like, where, where's your biological mom? So when my parents split, check this out. When my parents split, uh, my dad told my mom, these are boys, and I'm going to teach them how to be men. And so he's, he took us, right? He's like, you know, you're not taking my boys. And so my mom lives in Tucson. You, so you, go, went, you went to your dad's parents. Grandparents, grandparents yeah. And so, and so uh, but my mom lives in Tucson. I, I would go visit her. I have a great relationship with my mom. I mean, you do? Yeah, 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 for sure. So she stayed in your life? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I see her often. I mean, often okay. enough, you know. And you don't have these problems with your mom? No, no, because my mom's not confrontational. And my mom is not confrontational. Yeah. So she's more of a... a it's a, more of a personality thing than yes. probably a drinking thing, right? But the drinking probably. lubricates people up so they're... Certainly when you drink, you're, you, you tend to be more confrontational or you tend to get uh, monomaniacally focused on like um, shit. <laughs> on one thing. It's like that book I think you were talking about. What was that Malcolm Gladwell book, uh, the, the one that just came out? The, uh, oh, Talking to Strangers. Did you read that? No, I haven't. And it talks about drinking and how what, ha- what alcohol does is um, it actually makes you like – and focus is – is, is not the right word because you can't like read a legal document when you're drunk. But what it does is get you focused on like one thing. Like if you're talking about politics or you're talking about, or, or you're trying to pick somebody up at a bar, you're just focused on that and everything else is not in your mind. And I think that that uh, probably leads to, you know, very, spirited uh, debates in your house uh, with your dad and, and you're like hey you know there's so much more going on here you guys are just repeating this over and over again yeah well that's interesting so it's more of a personality thing probably then yeah all right and then tell me about uh, your diet so i follow a diet it's called a macro diet so i essentially count there's you know a certain number of fats uh carbs and proteins that i gotta eat on a certain on a daily basis um, you can get those three sources from, you know, you can get your fats, carbs, and, and, and proteins from any source, however you want to get them, as long as you get a certain amount of each without going over or without staying too far under. Um, and that, I feel, is, is really the one diet that's helped me keep my weight steady. Macro diet. Macro diet, yep. Is it, is it kind of like? Is it kind of, what, what's it like? Like, what's it, what, would, what diet that everyone's heard of would it be most comparable to? I have no, I don't, I don't. I is mean, it like I, you just count everything? Like, what do you eat a lot of, pro, is it heavy protein, low 
low carb or what is it? Uh, no, it's high protein, high carb. I mean, like yesterday, for example, I mean, my daily, this is, this is my daily in- intake. So I, I, I intake 190 grams of protein, 240 grams of carb and 65 grams of fat on a daily basis. That's it. I can do it anywhere I want. Right. So, uh, usually kind of like weight watchers and it's, it's a very mathematical sort of thing. You got to count. Yeah. Exactly. You're definitely counting. Um, and I have a spreadsheet, uh, where I have, you know, all, all this stuff already plugged in and, um, you know, I have six or seven or eight kind of, uh, menus for the day. And I just kind of, you know, it's a lot of chicken and, and brown rice and sweet potatoes and mm. those types of things. What about what, uh, and then workout schedule. Tell me about that. Yeah, my workout schedule. So I, I hit the gym every morning. Um, I'm at the gym for about an hour, you know, an hour or so. Love to do the sauna. I do the sauna for about 20 minutes every single day if I can, if I'm home, if I'm not running around and doing other stuff. But definitely working out minimum of five, five days a week. Uh, that stuff falters off when I'm on vacation. But, you know, when I get back on it, I, I do a lot of working out. I used to ride my road bike about 90 miles a week. Uh, which is a lot, but I found, well, the reason I stopped writing was because uh, I couldn't really find a good group of solid folks to ride with. There's a lot of folks that ride. I just want to be able to socialize at the same time. Um, so I haven't been able to get back on my bike just because I haven't found a good group of individuals to ride with. Hmm. All right, cool. Well, it's probably just as well. The gym, I think the gym's a lot safer than, than road biking, you know? Yeah, man, uh, uh, it's no fun. Sitting on a freaking bike stationary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. All right, what would you say your superpower is? My superpower, man. So I, I uh, you know, one of the things that I kind of pride myself in is my ability to get you to, uh, you know, find find common ground. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, and then, what about your kryptonite? My kryptonite. About two months ago, it was cookies. <laughs> that was definitely so two months ago it was, it was cookies that was really hard to to drop after the whole you know i mean we did patagonia thanksgiving christmas and just <laughs> off the rails man i gotta I, I gotta i gotta keep sometimes my my temper in check right like certain things just set me off and you know i i just i don't know why your temper like temper. like um is it explosive? Like, what would you, how would you call it? Just, I, it's a lot of work that I'm doing around my, my kids. Um, and so it's, it's when they do or say, or, you know, mm. are, are behaving in a certain way that I get really upset. I'm not explosive, but I, I really allow myself to get angry really easily. And then obviously when one person in the household is angry, the whole house feels it. So really working on that. That's kind of something that I'm, I'm working on lately. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you for working on that, by the way. I mean, like I for just, again, being aware, you're very aware, you know? Yeah, well, you got, you got to be, I mean, you got four kids, you know, I got a, a wonderful wife and, and, and I've already gone through one divorce, not trying to do a second. So I yeah, I mean, you know, kids need consistency, right? Yeah. And if they can't trust you and shit, all it takes is one time. Right. And then the kid has like PTSD over like, they can't trust you, not trust you that you're lying, but trust you as to how you're going to react. Yeah. Then what happens is they start lying, right? Because they're like, I don't know how dad's going to react. He might, he might be like, I don't care about that dude, you know, or he might be like, if I can't believe you did that. Right. And if they don't know which way you're going to go, then they'll lie. Yeah. 
So, and interesting. All right, so let's talk about your greatest hits, bro. So, you know, how old are you, Miguel? 37, baby. All right, so you've had 37 years of greatest hits. What would you say your top five greatest hits, poignant moments in your life in your 37 years that, um, that stand out as, like, greatest hits? Yeah. So, first and foremost, you know, I, I think that the, the thing that's really changed me the most, most recently, is uh, my, my belief in, in God, my belief in the higher power. So, that definitely has made a huge impact in my life. Um, that, you know, obviously, even though things have happened before then, um, that are part of my greatest hits list. But I think that most recently, that's the thing that's made the biggest impact on my life. Number two, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bundle up, you know, my, my kids and my wife and, and all that stuff into, into one. Number three is going to be becoming a chief of staff, not because of the position, but because that's really the first thing that I, that I first stretch goal that I ever made that I really put my entire focus and energy into that I achieved. And it taught me that I'm capable of so much more. Uh, so that's why that's a big hit. Joining Gold Buttons for sure, because uh, you guys kind of just awesome dudes, but also show me how to be a better husband, better father, and be healthy, be a good investor, like all those things. That's what I really appreciate about this tribe. And then uh, number five will be getting sober. That's definitely a, a big hit in my life. And it's made a big impact and has uh, paid huge dividends. How hard was it for you to quit drinking? Oh, I did it instantly. From one day to the next. When I realized that I had, I mean, I, I, when I was a chief of staff, Pat, I was drinking every single so were you like putting like vodka in your coffee in the morning were you like a rager or was it like a social thing or tell me about it yeah so i um you know as a chief of staff to an assembly i had a lot of lobbyists and a lot of special interests that kind of wanted to you know be with you know talk to me take me out to lunch so i'd get into work around nine by noon i'd have a lobbyist or somebody said hey let's go grab a drink or another chief let's go grab a drink and so at noon, I'm having a drink or two. And as I'm leaving the restaurant, I have another lobbyist coming in. Hey, Miguel, I need to talk to you. I'd stay at the bar. I mean, it was just, it was a daily occurrence, right? Like everybody just wanted to have a drink with you. And so the new Miguel would have said, hey, I'll go have lunch with you and I don't need to drink. But back then, I'm just like, I'm the new guy in town. You know, I was the second youngest chief of staff of 120 members. I'm the second youngest. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is what I got to do. And so I was just drinking with them all the time. Um, I wasn't doing anything dumb. I was just, just drinking too much. And so I got tired of it. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. And so I just, I said, I'm done drinking. And I quit from one day to the next, done. The hardest thing to quit was smoking. That was, I mean, I was cigarettes? able to stop. Yeah. So yeah, cigarettes, cigarettes. Uh, I was able to stop for a little bit. And then I would have a cigarette or two and then get back to smoking and then stop for a little bit, but I was finally able to, I mean, I haven't had a, I mean, I had a cigar in Cuba, but I don't, I haven't smoked a cigarette in two and a half years. That's awesome, dude. All right. So let's talk about future greatest hits, right? So you're 37. Let's say you lived 137 with today's biotechnology. So what do you got, buddy? What do you got for, uh, what do you got for the next hundred years or, or, or let's say let next, let's be realistic. Let's say, let's say 97, right? Let's say 60 years. Give me, yeah. give me, give me five greatest future hits. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm writing a book about Miguel at 107, I'm going to tell you exactly kind of the things that I, that I did. Um, I want to make sure that my wife and I have just, just an amazing relationship in which there's a lot of love. There's a lot of kindness in, in that. We, we definitely want to travel. Um, so we want to travel the world, whether it's be, you know, all in one shot or definitely do a, a trip around the world. Um, so that's, that's one. Uh, two, it's leaving the kids a legacy. So figuring out a way in which they're not, they don't become entitled, man. And, and, and I think my biggest fear is looking at my brother and sister and how they kind of had everything. And I, I'm just like, man, I, would, I wouldn't be able to leave that to them. But raising our four kids in a way in which they understand the sacrifices that their parents made and kind of build off of that, right? Because um, imagine if you and I, when we started whatever we do, if we would have had that little leg up, I mean, we'd be so much further ahead. I think that's, that's the second one. The third one is, you know, one of the things that, I definitely want to do is work on a really good group of folks that surround me, right? And so I think that that to me is super important because in my early part of the years where the bad decisions were made, I feel like bad people were around me and, and really kind of committed to, to those making those bad decisions. So that's three. Man, if I'm living to 107, I better be healthy and so really working on my health um, continue to be healthy i see some of these guys in the gym who are 60 70 years old man they look phenomenal that's that's another one and then number five is to be able to have the net worth to to accomplish all of that yeah it's all relative right yep it's like tim Rhodes says with the family portrait right like if if you want to have a family portrait with miguel sitting there with white hair you know, you know, 97, 107 years old, sitting in a little stool with this huge, big-ass family all behind him. You got to be healthy. You got to have the relationships for people to show up to the family portrait. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, you know what I mean? And you got to have money to get people to, to, to come and, and hire the photographer and, uh you know, and that money money helps buy health too, you know. So, anyways, fascinating, dude. Well, this, this has been a blast. This has been a very, very good uh, podcast. I, I appreciate you sharing and being candid like you have. And uh, I will definitely um, look forward to uh, seeing you at the next uh, venture uh, in the future. Australia, baby. Australia, yes. Miguel was in Patagonia. What was your favorite thing about Patagonia, would you say? Favorite thing about Patagonia. Man, being able, I look back at the pictures and there's uh, that one hotel that we stayed at three nights where we initially had dinner up top, but then we got too loud. So they made us have dinner at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. That hotel, I look back at those pictures and looking through the window, it looks like there's a piece of art on the wall and it's yeah. really a window. I mean, not waking up. I mean, I just got the chills thinking about that. Waking up to that, going to sleep to that having dinner to that, having breakfast and coffee and all that stuff. I'll, that to me was probably just the most beautiful, picturesque vision I've ever had. And I've been to some cool places and some not so cool places. And that's definitely the, the most beautiful place that I've ever been to in my entire life. I agree with you 100%. I, I, I posted a picture of my bed with my luggage on it when I first checked into my room looking out the window and it showed the bed and, and it, people were like, wait a minute that's your window? And I'm like, dude, that's the whole wall of my room, you know? And they're like, yeah, that was awesome. 
That was definitely cool. All right, bro. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, I'll be talking to you, brother. Sounds good, my man. Take it easy. Thank you. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you can